The Northeast Newscast is brought to you by the Northeast News, the voice of historic Northeast Kansas City since 1932. Interested in helping promote your business while also keeping the voice of the Northeast alive? Advertise with the Northeast News today by calling 816-241-0765 or by emailing northeastnews at socket.net. Thank you for listening. Thank you for reading and enjoy the episode. Welcome back to the latest edition of the Northeast Newscast. This is your host, as always, Paul Thompson, and I'm fresh off my interview with incoming Kansas City Police Department Chief of Police, Rick Smith. Now, technically, Smith is still the major of the Central Patrol Division, though he'll be officially sworn in as chief on Tuesday, August 15th. Smith has been positively swamped during the transition, but he was gracious enough to sit down for the benefit of the Northeast Newscast audience and talk about some of the issues that are facing the community. Topics of conversation include how Smith is handling the transition, what he plans to do with the department's community interaction officers, his thoughts on some of the consultant recommendations that were made from a recent police staffing study, how he's going to handle social media and the chief's blog once he takes over the top post, what he plans to do with the Kansas City No Violence Alliance collaboration, and how he hopes to make the program more effective, and his grand plans to install a social services coordinator at every patrol division. As always, our guest this week is far better at explaining this stuff than me. So without further ado, let's leave it to incoming Chief of Police, Rick Smith. All right, Paul Thompson here. Once again, actually second time guest here on the Northeast Newscast. Soon to be new Kansas City Police Department Chief of Police, Rick Smith. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Paul. Hey, and uh, I, you're, the, you're not actually the first two-time guest. You're the second one. We had Anna, Anna Marie Tatera with the Kansas City Museum on for a second time last episode, so I, I hope you're not too upset about that. But. Not at all. The museum's a big deal, and I look forward to that being being uh, the renovation and being unveiled. I think it's going to be beautiful. All right. Well, cool. And we're still glad to have you as, a, as the second two-time guest, which I think is still quite an honor for us. And uh Maybe a little less so for you, but I do appreciate you doing it nevertheless. Um, let's just get right to it then. Uh, you'll be sworn in next Tuesday, right? August 15th? Tuesday morning at 9.30. I'm sure you're excited about that, as uh, a lot of the people in our area are, that you were the one who was chosen for this gig. But I wanted to ask you, when the dust settles, when you get behind the big desk, what do you expect to do? How quickly do you expect to get, get running on this thing? Well, I think the first thing I have to do... Um, Paul is make sure that the message that I went through the process filters down to the department. You know, the, the three things that I really have emphasized set employees up for success, work for the reduction of crime and neighborhood issues, and become more efficient and effective through partnerships. I, I want that message to get through the organization and let people know those are my focus points. That's what I want to work towards. When you talk about partnerships, uh, what is it? Have you targeted individual organizations or are you just kind of thinking broadly at this point? No, I think there's certain things, and we can dive right into it. Look at Gina English. That's right. a partnership. Right. That bringing a social service advocate into law enforcement is a partnership. Now, by bringing that one person in, think of the resources she brings with her. Right. That that is what what you know, making that so much more efficient because it's now one call for an officer to Gina who can make, has a web of resources that the officer never knew existed and we can capitalize on that through one person. So that's a very important partnership here at Center Zone. So things like that can make our department more efficient at solving problems and much more effective. 
that's what I mean by those partnerships. Right. And there's other opportunities. I'm not just saying it's just in social service work. It may be through media. It may be through other avenues. But to build those partnerships to make sure the police department is operating at its potential and doing everything it can to make this city as safe as possible. Right. And for those who don't know, I know we've reported on this at length and, and talked about it a lot. But Gina English, social services coordinator here at Central Patrol Division, it was a pilot program initially. Sounds like she will be staying on for the long haul. I think one of the things you brought up and said to me, either in person, one on one, or you might have even said it at the at the uh, chief of police finalist forum, that you believe there should be a Gina English at every patrol division. Is that something that you still hold to? Yes, I do. I, the partnership here at Center Zone has paid many dividends, uh, and we we want to repeat that through the city. So one of the things I've always talked about is this relationship in community policing and social work and police work and where do they fall on the spectrum, right? Mm -hmm. Do we teach police officers to be more social workers or do we teach other things, you know, do we take them away from policing time? How do you work that? One of the things I'm looking at is we have a social service advocate or coordinator who's a professional at it. That That's what they do every day. Let the professional take some of that that the social work aspect of law enforcement and run with it. Right. And it's been much more effective. So again, through partnerships, that's how we're gonna make this place work better. Excellent. Now, and, and you think, I, I know it's kind of hard to predict on things like this and you don't wanna throw out a hard and fast timeline, but how quickly would you like to see that position expanded throughout the department? Tomorrow. <laughs> but, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but the idea is obviously there's funding, there's you know how are we gonna structure this, do we have long-term funding? Is it going to go year to year? Right. You know, how do we hire someone if it's going to be year to year? That's hard to manage for right. a lot of people. So there's a lot of a lot of details that need to be worked out yet. And when we unveil it, you know, we want it to be correct. So, and and I wish there was something to unveil other than the idea right now. That's all we have. But we're working to identifying sources, maybe finding again another effective partnership that will help fund that aspect to keep it at the station. So. As we move through this, the, that the goal is to get the social service coordinator at each station. How soon we get there, I don't know. All right. Hopefully sooner rather than later. I and, I, and I guess it stands to reason that you probably have it as much of a mandate now as you ever will. Right. Right when you come into office is uh, probably when you'll have as many as much leverage as possible on something like that. I would think. So. I'm going to try. <laughs> well, we'll see. Right. Yes. Excellent. Um, well, you talk about the community and reaching out and what Gina can do. Another element of that, obviously, is on the officer side with community interaction officers. And I've, I've heard a little bit of scuttlebutt of late about what's going to happen with those. And so I wanted to hear it straight from the horse's mouth. Um, what is your plan for the CIOs? And I guess maybe we could break a, a little bit of news. I don't know how many people know about this, but I understand, uh, based on our conversation before, that Jason Cooley will be brought in to kind of serve as some sort of advisory role as it relates to the CIOs. Yeah. So let's start with the CIOs. Uh, we went through a period we didn't have CIOs, and we have CIOs again. And one of the things at, at, at this station, anyway, is our CIO is handling over 100 emails a day mm -hmm. of, of concerned citizen stuff. To me, that's a capacity issue. That means we have people that want to interact with the police department, mm -hmm. but we almost have too much work uh, for the CIO here at Center Zone. You might to be able to answer it. an email, but right. you, you can't, can't go out engage, there and meet right. them in person. Right, right. Yeah. we can't engage to the level we want. So again, like a coordinator, like almost like a Gina English, Andy's job is, Andy Hamill, who's the CIO, is to look at these and then farm, 
farm those requests out to certain officers or certain supervisors to make sure they're getting handled. Or someone like Gina. Or someone like Gina. Defer right. it. Or city service. You know, it's just, should it go to 311? Should it right. go to illegal dumping? You know, there's there's places we go to make ourselves more efficient and to make them more efficient. Mm-hmm. The idea is if we have a capacity issue and we have the community that wants to, in, in my mind, to build greater trust with that community, we, we, we staff that, right? We, we make sure that people are not, that their email is being heard, that their, their request is being addressed, that they're getting back to and getting feedback. I, I don't know that's occurring all the time just because of the capacity issue. So I want to make sure that we are really building trust with the community. And I think one of the best ways to do that is through the CIO. Right. And, and so uh, as it relates specifically to uh, Officer Cooley, why was it that, that you tabbed him to, to kind of come in and work underneath you to sort of coordinate that program or to co- coordinate that network of community interaction officers? Well, it, in my opinion, um, Jason Cooley is one of the best community interaction officers I've ever worked with. And his, his relationships with the community are, are top-notch. He, he gets the idea of using initiatives, community initiatives, and the police department as a whole to try and solve problems and work towards a safer city. I would like him to mentor some of the CIOs to make sure as new ones come in, they get some of, some of the idea of how Jason Cooley approaches the job. And then there's other initiatives that, of course, come through the chief's office that other groups want to get involved with. And I'd like to have a central coordinator. Rather than farming that out to east, to center, to different places, I would like a central repository so that we keep track of what's going on and the initiatives we're involved in. Oh, well, that makes a lot of sense, actually. Thank you. Um, cool. I, I think and, so. <laughs> and, that, and he'll be, I mean, on day one, will he, will he be there with you, or how does that kind of rollout happen? I, I, I'm going to let him help with Shoal Creek get a new officer in place, not to leave them stranded. So, right. you know, they also have someone who, who can work with their community. So, you know, it'll be fairly quick. Right. He's already started on some projects. Okay. You know, there'll be a little bit of a transition period before it's 100%. Oh, interesting. Actually, maybe we can jump on that because this idea of the transition, what, how, how has it been for you? How hectic is the transition to be the next chief and how's the transition going as well uh, for you to replace, I guess, you'll, you'll be highly involved in selecting a new major for, for this patrol division as well. Uh, the new major's been selected. Oh, who's that? Uh, major Steve Young. Will okay. Will be coming to center zone. Excellent. Um, so that, that part's been done. The... It, <laughs> Just drinking from a fire hose really kind of summarize what what's been going on the, in the transition period. You know, I've had tons of emails, phone calls, and it, the support has been absolutely wonderful, Paul. I mean, right. it, it is really energizing to hear from so many people, um, from community leaders to business people to people within the department. I mean, it's it's just been awesome. Right. So it you know the honeymoon part is really a honeymoon part. It is it. You know, to hear from so many people just it makes you feel good. It really does, and, and I'm very thankful for it. the The work of tying up here and getting involved in the chief's office. You know, I, I wanted to finish a couple things here. I got that completed. Now working towards um, going to the chief's office and basically just meeting with a couple people here. Or there, I am not involved in chief decisions until after Tuesday at 9:30. Oh, what's your relationship like with interim chief Zimmerman? Yeah, he, he was my. You know, he was my direct report, my boss, and when I was here at, at Center Zone, so we talk, and we've talked several times in the transition. Everything's going really well. I mean, he's very open and lets me know what's going on. They're, 
it's been a great, great experience so far. Do you expect to maybe keep leaning on them even after you take over? Oh, yes, absolutely. All the executive staff. Mm -hmm. I mean, the executive staff is there, you know, this is what they do every day. Right. You know, it's an idea. That's why executive staff comes together and, and makes decisions and has meetings. And, you know, it's not just one person all the time. It's it's their staff or their designee in a room so we can talk through issues. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess transitioning here, as we're talking about issues that have come up, one of the things that's kind of been in the news recently has been staffing study that was recently completed about the police department. Recommendation was to get new personnel. I think they, they said something in the range of 50 to 60 new, new personnel, a lot of them being civilian personnel. I wanted to get your thoughts. Generally speaking, I know you can't speak too much to the details there, but is that something that you support in a, in a general sense? It, I think it's dependent on the position. I really do. And and then police work is different than, in my mind, than some things. So some things you have aspects of experience of police officers, and it's important to have that, mm -hmm. you, to have that background in that position. Um, you know, people always look at the money position. Well, you know, sometimes having someone with the background of why the overtime's being spent or why this... You, that's helpful, right? Someone right. who's hired from the outside, who's a civilian, may not get all the the reasons why. Hey, Center Zone spending this money. Th this event's going on. There's something in the Northeast. East Zone wants to be part of it. You right. know, the, there's when you have someone who's been on the department for years and gets some of that. Mm -hmm. That's some now. Not to say you couldn't get a civilian employee in there and say, hey, I totally understand, or I have a background in in law enforcement. I get how this goes. So yes, I, I think everything should be open for discussion, but I think it has to be reviewed on position by position. I just don't think you can say carte blanche, yes, I agree, I want to make these all civilian positions. Well, and I mean, one example, I guess, would be that um, social services coordinator would, would more than likely be a civilian position, I would imagine. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Uh, unless you just found a perfect candidate who was already carrying a badge and gun. No, I, it, it needs to be a civilian. And, and here, back to the Gina discussion, but part of her success is when she shows up, shows up at a house, she's not wearing a police uniform. Right. It, it, it's not the same. I, I think there's a lot of police work, a lot of police officers across the country who have been through social work courses and have um, some sort of social background in their degree. I don't think that's the point. The mm. point is trying to remove the tension or the uneasiness on who's ever part and putting a third party in there to try and solve the problems. Yeah, no, actually good point. And, and I've seen that with my own eyes, how how people kind of brighten up when, when Gina goes and, and tries to talk to them about issues. It's just not the same way that somebody would interact with a police officer in uniform, and that's pretty undeniable. So that's a good point there. Um, well, as it relates to that staffing study, the other thing that came up that I thought was somewhat interesting was the recommendation to move from two-man cars to one-man cars. And, and the, the, what that means is to have one officer per vehicle instead of having two officers per vehicle working with a partner, as is typically the case now. Just, again, generally speaking, I know that you can't dive too hard into the details right. on this stuff, but is that something that you would support? I mean, what, what would you be concerned about as it relates to moving to only one person in a vehicle? Well, one of the things the staffing study, and I believe it was in this section, I've only read through it one time and I really haven't made notes, but I believe one of the things they said, they, they had not taken into consideration the fleet. Okay. So obviously that's a consideration. Do we have the cars to meet that, that task? And I don't know if we do or we don't, but obviously that would have to be evaluated first. 
I think there's a lot of pros to having one-person crews. And it's not like now we don't have one-person crews. We absolutely have one-person crews. Mm -hmm. And we have some that are two-person crews. And sometimes that has to do with staffing. Sometimes it has to do with cars. And, you know, this person's working this project, and it's easier to have someone with them. There's different reasons for it. You know, one of the things, you know, when when, um, Captain Middleton was killed in Kansas City, Kansas, Mm -hmm. you know, all the officers wanted to be two-person crews. Well, it's hard to deny when someone gets ambushed in a police car that there isn't some concern for safety for everybody involved. So I I, I don't know that you just say mandate 100% of the time it's got to be this way. There should be some flexibility in there, I think. Well, depending on... The, the areas where they're at, depending on the high crime or low crime? or well, well, that, and like I said, maybe they're working a project together. Maybe they're working a neighborhood issue, and they need two of them there. I mean, it doesn't just have to be a threat of crime. It may be, okay. hey, I need to have two officers to help with this project. Well, it doesn't seem to me, if they're going to the same place to do the same thing, that we're just burning gas and two cars to do the exact same thing. That right. doesn't make sense either. Right. So I, I think you have to weigh some of this and, and decide, is there an issue? And then again, there needs to be flexibility. Right. I guess there's, there is that element of, well, if you're kind of pulling your hair out over how to, how to put money, move money around in order to hire more staff, and at the same time, putting everybody in their own vehicle and just driving all over the city, there's obviously going to be extra cost of yes. this. Plus and minuses to everything. Right. And it's just this internal calculus in, in some ways, too, I imagine, where you're wondering, well, is the deterrence effect that you get for having more cars worth maybe the dip in safety of the officers that if you're working by yourself only or the wait time when you have to wait for somebody else to come join you when you go into a crime scene or something of that so, nature. So, Paul, consider that all our disturbance calls, all the calls that, that generate any kind of threat are two-person calls anyway. They're two-officer calls. Right. So you're going to have two officers there, whether they're two-person crew or they're showing up in two different cars. There's going to be two officers there. So, you know, all... All I'm saying is we look through that, you, you know, we might look at the percentage of those calls versus one-person calls, you know, which are very few in, in today's when we dispatch. Right. So are we really getting a bang for the buck? Are we really getting the presence known if we staff another car and it's all one person? I don't know. I think some of that has to do with, hey, does this city feel safer, you know, one way or another? Is there public perception that really makes a difference? I don't know. Right. But I, again, I go back to there's got to be some flexibility. Right. It's uh, so often it's not just black and white. There's always shades of gray on this stuff. So yeah. That, that's well said. On a lighter note, I wanted to ask you about social media. It's omnipresent everywhere these days, ubiquitous. What are your plans for the Chiefs blog, first and foremost? I like the Chiefs blog. I, I, I think that will continue. How do you expect to use it? How often do you expect to use it? Is it kind of too early to say on that? It is. I, I <laughs> Remember the drinking from the fire hose part? Right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. yes, I, I mean, it's on the radar. I mean, obviously, the police department's job is to connect with the community, and sometimes I think they want to know who the chief is or what the chief thinks. Right. And the blog is a great way of getting that out, right? right. Here's what I think about one-person cars. Right. Here's what I think about having a social service coordinator. Right. I mean, all the things we discussed today can make a great blog topic. Sure. And, and and I think that's a great way to get it out to the people who aren't interested in knowing what's going on in the police department. So, yes, I, I, I expect to use the blog. Right. And it's a way you can also kind of 
give a little bit of your personality out there while kind of curating talking points and things of that nature. So I imagine, I thought, um, you know, that was one of the, the strengths Chief Porte was of, of using that as a way to kind of get that message out to the community and let people know how he's feeling when a big incident happens or, or some political issue even is on, you know, on the minds of people in Kansas City. So. Yep. Uh, you think you'll use it more or less, or you're still ch- just figuring that out? Drinking from the fire hose whenever you can? Yeah, I, I, I mean, the Twitter thing, that that's a different aspect. Right. I don't know much. I, I'm, I'm not on social media myself. I'm not a big social media guy. Mm-hmm. Now, I understand in the world we live in today, that's a big deal to a lot of people. Right. Um, it, I would like to find a happy medium with that. I, I want... I want communications to basically be positive and to generate, you know, discussion about good things the police department is doing. And, and not not so much that it always has to be good, but it's always looking for the the what good can come of it, right? right I yeah. don't like it when social media turns to it's negative, right? right? So quick, you know, someone can sit at a keyboard and just bash or throw something up there, and it does, in my mind, it doesn't help anything. Right. That's what I want to stay away from. So it doesn't necessarily have to be glowing and filled with praise, but right. it needs to be constructive. Right, exactly. I, I, you know, and I, I think that dialogue is always good. I, I just, I don't want to create a form that's just a complaint form. Right. Yeah. And or people use it as like a, you know, the police version of three one one, where they just point out an issue here, an issue there, something that, well, these people weren't here fast enough. My wait time was too long. That wow. stuff where it just becomes a sounding board. But um, so does that mean we can expect to see an at Chief Smith uh, Twitter handle popping up in the near future here? It, it will be taken under advisement and I will talk to the experts and see what happens. Okay, so that's something that maybe could be outsourced to communication staff or something of that nature. I, you know, if it's going to have my handle, I'm going to do it. Okay. But that, that's, what, that's what the discussion needs to be about. How much time? Well, do I have time to do it? What, you know, yeah. Is this something? You know, If something big happens and I don't put one out, then am I the bad guy in the world? Right. Do you understand? That right. th- this job is already very demanding. Sure. Now, now, how much more do I want to pack on top of that? Exactly. So I have to weigh that well it's just like anybody with a, t- a twitter profile it, if uh if you have notoriety then you look and uh you know they, they have the mentions where you can see where people will, will put your handle in there and then say whatever they want afterwards uh you can go crazy i think if you read that stuff too much so yeah. i think there are uh, there is a downside to it if you get too caught up in it but um it, i think it's an effective way to reach people who you know, there's this whole generation of people who grew up with this, and that's I all they know. So I agree. Um, and you want to connect with those? I mean, right. we're all in the city. I mean, yeah. we have all from, you know, from one end of the spectrum to the other. We're all in the city. So you right. want to try and reach what you can. I agree. Okay. All right. Cool. Well, let's move along now. Uh, one of the things where I think you have pretty strong opinions about and a lot of experience with is the Kansas City No Violence Alliance. Now, I, you've animated before publicly and privately in our conversations uh, that I think generally speaking, you're a fan of focused deterrence. You've said that publicly, but there's still some things you'd like to tweak with that program. If you had a magic wand and some things that that maybe need to be just adjusted with with how they operate. One of the things you brought up during the chief of police forum was this 90 day wait or a hold time before enforcement. Can you maybe describe for people who don't know exactly what that means, what that 90 day, why it was originally put in place and what that really entails? Well, what what it really entails is, so if, if we're enforcing on a group now, so usually group enforcement takes 90 days. Mm-hmm. So if we're doing one now, we're looking at the next group. So the crime that's occurring now, the data is being collected. 
but in my mind, when we know something's happening, we should be doing something right now. And I'm not saying that those cases aren't going to assault or something else, but there's no enforcement on that group because they haven't been identified. Right. I, I would like more sense of urgency towards crime and group crime that there isn't like building data and then picking that the pick is by the crime that's committed and the enforcement comes right swiftly after that. That's what I'm looking for. Well, and I guess that becomes all the more important because it's hard to argue that there's not a surge of violence in the city right now when you look at the homicide numbers. And I'm sure that can be frustrating if you're in the police department to look from the inside at that. And I know when the public sees it too, it's one of the key stats that somebody looks at when they decide whether or not the city is safe right now. So is it frustrating to you when you when you see that there's that 90-day wait when I mean it is it's not is that unfair it's not it's not frustrating I mean if someone has a case on it's not like our other units aren't working the case sure it's not like things are off the radar I'm just saying that group doesn't get the focus of of a a certain aspect of Nova enforcement or that aspect is what I'm talking about. It's not frustrating. I just think we're capable and we have to have a sense of urgency when dealing with group crime. I want things to happen. You know, if, if someone is under the opinion that they should go out and shoot someone, I think the police should be interacting with them as soon as possible after that event. Right. Good, bad, or indifferent, we should be knocking on their doors. Absolutely. Good point. Is, are there other changes with NOVA that you'd like to see implemented? I, you know, I, I talk basically about the crime, the crime thing. I'm a big fan of focused deterrence. Right. I and mean, there's a lot of positives in NOVA. The, the criminal intelligence they do is second to none on this department. Mm-hmm. They're awesome. You know, I've talked about the governing board being together and all the right people being in the room to talk about crime matters and what we're doing to address those matters. So there's a lot of positives with NOVA. I, I just think, like with any program you got, you have to be fair and evaluate some of the weaknesses. Right. And when you identify them, we have to be able to address them. We have to say, hey, this is a weakness. Now, what are we going to do about it? Right. And it's still, um, you know, it's a collaboration. Yes. And it sounds like something that, I mean, just frankly, you don't seem like the type of person to me who is going to turn away collaboration. No. You talked about partnerships before. Absolutely. This is a, a cohesive partnership where there's a lot of different elements, including U.S. attorneys, the prosecutor's office. So I think you have the right people in the room. How do you expect to utilize that group uh, more efficiently or, or just oh, I, I, more aggressively? Again, I, I think you know, having a new chief, having some new eyes, having some new ideas – my job is to go in that room and say, hey, have we considered it this way? Have we considered doing things this way? Have we considered looking at this? Have we considered evaluating how this has worked in the past versus you know, where our numbers are and what's going on with crime in this city and are we having an impact? Mm-hmm. I, I think what I bring to the governing board is a new perspective. And, you know, some of that will be, again, discussed and move back and forth and we'll talk about it. That, that's how the whole process should work. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a great answer. Well, and, you know, obviously you went through this process. You had a chance to talk to the Board of Police Commissioners throughout throughout the entire process of being hired here. Maybe we'll wrap it up by asking, what do you think it was that really set you apart, and, and why do you think you are ultimately chosen for, for the new role of Chief of Police at Kansas City Police Department? You know, there's a couple things that, that I think set me apart. I think it was... Um, my my history, my work history of being assigned to two 
pretty busy police divisions in Kansas City, both east and center. I think that center part uh, set me apart a little bit. I think, you know, trying something different, bringing a social service coordinator into a station, I think that sets me apart a little bit. Of I, I'm willing to look at innovation and willing to look to see if there's new ideas that can, can help us be better. Um, you know, I think I have a great understanding of this organization. Uh, so I knew some of the strengths and weaknesses and some of the things that I think could be tweaked internally. Again, when looking, you know, it's just not NOVA that has to be looked at. There's some things internally, strengths and weaknesses, what can we do better, that need to be looked at. So I, I think it was a combination of things. I think I had an idea. I presented an idea of where I wanted to go. I, I presented three points to a plan. I think I was pretty definite in the direction I wanted to head, and I laid that out and articulated it pretty well. So I, I think the combination of that helped me get to where I am. Well, now that you're here, maybe you can let us know how long you've been thinking about this. I mean, when you're in a career like this, when you started, uh, you know, a couple decades ago, did you ever imagine that that you would be on the cusp of becoming the chief of police? No, I, I didn't. I, you know, uh, Chief Humphrey said, you know, he thought about being a chief of police when he first started. When I when I first came out, all I could think about is being a good cop. And then I wanted to get to the SWAT team. And after I was in the SWAT team, I wanted to be a detective. And and after that, I wanted to be a sergeant. And then I wanted to go to homicide. And then I got there. And you know, then I became a captain. And you know, I, I it just kind of the responsibility just. I just wanted to take that next step. I thought I could handle the responsibility, and I thought, you know, I hadn't done half bad in the last job. Let's see if I can handle the next job. Right, so I've been, I've been fortunate that I've had great people around me, and we've done good work through the years together. And I think, you know, as I got to be a major and I sat at, at East Patrol, that's when I really, you know, I thought, hey, the potential's there. I don't know if the opportunity will come, but obviously there's some potential there. And then I really didn't think, you know, this job would open up. I just thought my timing would be off mm -hmm. and that Chief Forte would stay a lot longer than he did and then he decided to leave and that opened the opportunity. Right. And it, it, it's encouraging to see that you're constantly challenging yourself. Obviously, you've got another big challenge here starting on August 15th, but you got about five days until then. So I guess <laughs> I'll end with this. What, how do you plan to use these last few days uh, as a major and, um, you know, what, what do you want to do? What do you want to get done in your personal life even before you, you take on the big role? So my brother and his family are coming down from St. Paul tonight. I'm going to take off tomorrow. Um, Saturday, every every Saturday in the fall, we do a, a picnic, school picnic for Sheffield Place. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to be... Um, hosting a picnic at Sheffield Place with some other advisory, not just me, the advisory board, and we're going to have a picnic for um, Sheffield Place and the mothers and their kids, which is always a fun event. So I'm going to do that Saturday, and okay. Sunday I'm going to take it easy and um, be at work Monday morning getting ready. Excellent. Well, hey, I appreciate you taking the time. I know you're incredibly busy. Uh, hey, it was an honor to be able to sit down with you and uh, to, to get some face time here with the soon-to-be new chief of police at Kansas City. I appreciate it. Thank you, Paul. It's always good to see you. Excellent. Thanks. And there you have it, our exclusive sit-down conversation with soon-to-be Kansas City, Missouri Chief of Police Rick Smith. Thanks again to Rick for coming back on the podcast and giving us time when he's probably as busy as he's ever been. So thanks again for joining us. And Chief, if you're listening, good luck drinking out of that fire hose over the next few weeks as you get acclimated in your new position. Thanks again to everybody for listening to the latest edition of the Northeast Newscast. I'm your host, Paul Thompson, signing out.